Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, and you're listening to the Tour Coach Podcast. Well, we're rolling into fall here on the Tour Coach. And for the fall, just like we've been doing for the last couple of years here on the Tour Coach, I'm going to be bringing you lots of chats, interviews, roundtable discussions on what we do, how we do it, from players to coaches to caddies, students. All of this comes from my travels that are on tour or to Old Palm or from here in Mobile or wherever it is I go around this country, or around the world, teaching and coaching at the game of golf that I love. So hopefully, if you listen, you're going to like what you hear. There's there's lots and lots of info and content coming your way that I think are going to help all of you understand and play the game even better or, or coach the game. We've got so many coaches that listen to this tour coach podcast. So appreciate all of you that have gone along with me on this journey for the tour coach. I didn't necessarily know where I was going with it when I started this, this when the Dew sweepers radio show ended on XM Sirius. Uh, but I can tell you that it has given me so much freedom and creativity to be able to talk a little more and a little more in depth and bring all of you a behind the scenes inside the ropes look at what me and my team do and the people that we associate with it and how you can use us as a resource to help you get better at the game of golf look and if you like what you hear on the tour coach also make sure you check out our pro work video series which is available for you on youtube and my youtube channel if you just go on youtube and type in pro work It'll pull up the episodes that are out there. Some really, really great stuff that takes you behind the scenes and inside the ropes. And before I let you go to the tour coach, special thanks to my sponsors that have all been with me for such a long time. Shrixon Golf, been with them over 20 years. Can't find anybody better in the equipment side of the world. Bushnell Golf, such a big part of what we're doing with pro work and what I do day to day, especially with the Launch Pro. Vineyard Vines, Ian and Shep, Amber and the folks there always keep me looking great. We've been such great partners for a good long time. And lastly, McConnell Automotive uh, here in Mobile, Alabama. Mitch McConnell and the gang, there's nobody that has supported me longer. I mean, they're unbelievable. And the folks at Buick GMC for supporting the Dew Sweepers radio show, as well as the tour coach, and as well as pro work. So check out McConnell Automotive and Buick GMC. And lastly, our, my friend Blaine Stokely and Stokely's Midtown Garden Express here in Mobile. Those folks keep the dew sweepers and keep the pro work and the tour coach and all of our content alive and well for all of you that love the game and want to learn. Enjoy the Tour Coach podcast, which is coming your way right now. So thanks for joining us. Uh, we've got uh, we got a special guest here on Golf Coach Development, uh, as well as going to be on the Tour Coach podcast Joining me is Jackson Court, Justin uh, Justin Parsons, and John Ellis, who is the the caddy and uh, works with Wyndham Clark, our reigning U.S. Open champion, uh, which was awesome to watch out there. I was out there for a big chunk of that week. So, John, thanks for joining us and uh, appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, probably excited to, other than the Ryder Cup, wind down a little this time of year, I would think. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I've had two weeks off and it feels like two months because, uh, you know, when you get in, when you get going, it seems like when you're home for a few days, it's like not that, not enough time. So uh, it's been great. I got two more weeks before, um, I hear maybe the best caddy week, uh, golfing experience of my life, um, from what I've been told. So I'm really looking forward to going to Rome and, uh, you know, being part of, uh, the Ryder Cup. Will you do me a favor and get a picture of JP with an American flag over there? Yes. Yes. It'll be one of the first things. One of the first things. He has no choice. He's got to do it. He's got to. Yeah. 
it's uh, yeah, it, 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 whistling straight. I was there with Harris, and it felt um, it felt a little weird because you know we we really get into the Ryder Cup back at home. I mean, I think probably more so over the last um, well, certainly since I've loved loved golf from like eighty nine, ninety one. You know, we really, really get into the Ryder Cup in a way that, you know, you guys probably only get it in college football and things like that. And I think it's growing that way. I think certainly through the 90s, I think it's a bigger deal now for America. I guess, Tony, when you were growing up, it wasn't just as big a thing for, you know, an American golf fan. But I, I love the spectacle that it is now. And, I'm you know, I'm looking forward to being there. And, and you know, I know so many guys in the European team and you know, obviously Brian and, Knowing Wyndham and and uh, Johnny and the guys, it'll be it'll be a great event regardless. And it was supposed to be a gentleman's event for for the game of golf, and and uh, you know I hope I hope it retains that with uh, with a lot of fiery competition. I, I I agree that it's become more intense. I mean, I think that the success Europe had has had is what's fueled it becoming intense, and and it sparked our interest over here, which I guess. The first real one I kind of really remember watching was the War by the Shore. I mean, I remember that as a kid. Um, You know, and then going through, you know, those years, I mean, where we were just awful. I mean, you know, and then I grew up, I grew up such a big Crenshaw fan and played in small school in Texas. I mean, that the one there at Brookline with him as captain, I mean, is, you know, still, I remember that as, you know, I remember that. I mean, I wasn't a kid anymore, but I don't feel like I was a kid back then. Without digressing, Johnny, I saw Jim Furyk at the dinner and wore, wore his shirt. He but, wore that Brookline shirt. Yeah, well, but, but, you know, I think I think we might set off, Tony, by, you know, John, I know you've, you know, occupied different roles in your career from, you know, from coaching yourself uh, and I know you're, you know, a very much a technician. You can do whatever you need to do with the golf, and have a playing background as well. Maybe you could just, you know, tell people a little bit more about that side of things, and then how eventually you get into caddying. Um, well, yeah, um, I played professionally for a, a long time. Um, obviously, wasn't successful enough, but I felt like, um, you know, I was good enough to keep going. I was fortunate enough to play in some U.S. Opens, um, you know, a handful of PGA Tour events, and. Um, you know, I had some success, but, um, ultimately, um, obviously wasn't good enough. Right. And, um, um, you know, I worked with a million coaches and I tried everything to probably get over the hump and, um, maybe got too technical in that, um, chase to trying to be one of the best players on the PGA tour. Um, you know, it's something guys, you know, you feel like you're always trying to get better, right. You're, you know, turn over every little leaf to try to do it. And, and, and in trying to do that, I may have gotten too technical trying to be somebody that I wasn't right. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I got into, after that, I got into coaching at the university of Oregon. And and that's where um, I, you know, eventually met Wyndham and got into um, more of the coaching role slash teaching. I was teaching a little bit and, um, yeah, my biggest thing with like Wyndham or whoever is try to learn from some of the things that I didn't do correctly, right? Like, you know, chasing technique. Obviously, technique is very important. And, um, but, um, I'm a believer of, um, fundamentals and then using that structure of what I could do or what Justin or what you can do in your own golf swing to try to make it better. Um, and that's kind of what, you know, Wyndham's kind of done. He had um, a way in which, you know, I get a firsthand look being with them under pressure, right? Um, 
and he has had great teaching um, from Jeff Smith. Um, Justin's looked at him. I mean, he's he's chased it all, and Boyd's been a huge part of his success. And at, at some point, going through that chasing um, perfection, which as you guys all know, Wyndham has a beautiful golf swing and um, technically does a lot of things really, really well. But I thought, um, you know, watching him in college um, and being around him so much, his biggest asset is how athletic he is, right? And, um, you know, I could throw him in trees and he would find a way to hit a beautiful left to right, right to left shot. But then I tell him, you know, in the fairway, you know, try to hit a certain shot or whatnot. And he would get stuck on how to do it. You know, well, what do I do to do that or this or that instead of having it um, be more instinctive. Right. And um, yeah, so that's basically what we've really kind of done. Maybe the last couple of years is um, let's be pretty good fundamentally, which he does, and then um, be more reactive and um, see what happens from there. It, it interested me a great deal, John, watching the, the progress, um, you know, I remember having a chat with you in Boston a couple yeah. of years ago and, and Wyndham was trying a few things in his golf swing and was a little bit, you know, a little bit confused. And then cut to maybe 18 months later, you know, you guys were on a great run. You did, you know, every time I looked on the leaderboard, you seemed to be in the top 10. And I noticed, you know, we, we get a, a lot of young coaches looking at, at this uh, podcast. I noticed he did a lot of work with alignment rods on the ground and yeah. he hit a lot of shots off a tee, even with a mm-hmm. seven iron. So it was very much into, you know, really uh, not perfecting is maybe the wrong word, but refining the fundamentals to a point where they're really, really strong. Would you, would you yeah. be able to elaborate on that? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, maybe some of my teaching is what uh, what's the 12 handicap do on the first hole when the three of us are watching or his buddies or what's he do on 18 when, um, um, you know, you're playing for a beer, right? And um you know, being around Wyndham so long, I see what he does under pressure, right? He gets steep and to the left and that's great. But, um, you know, if you do that Monday, when you show up to TP Sawgrass and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you keep on that pattern, um, you know, you lose, you're swiping it and you're losing some of your ability to do that. So the rods was something like, Hey, let's get a neutral setup. Let's try to be stacked up every time. So, we would put alignment stick up and then we'd work on something. We'd tee it up and try to have them be shallow out to the right, knowing that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, under the gun, he is still going to be steep and to the left. But if our pattern could get more neutral on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, maybe even be draw bias, um, guys are going to do what they do under pressure. The best players, they have their shots. They have what their tendencies, what they're going to do. And I just felt like, well, if we could do something the op- opposite of what he's going to do um, during the week, knowing to just basically try to get to neutral. Um, that's what the alignment sticks was. That's what hitting off the tee was. Um, you know, if you'll see maybe on a Monday or Tuesday, the shaft will be leaning a little bit to the left and we'll be trying to hit it right to left and around it. Um, you know, maybe at one point it'll be too much, um, but it's been pretty successful the last, you know, year and a half of trying to do that, trying to be more neutral and simplifying it instead of trying to um, be a a technician, which I think is great at times, but just let's try to worry about what's in front of us and see um, a shape that will neutralize him 
throughout the week. John, Very good. You, John, when you when you started down that road, I loved what you were talking about because I've been down that rabbit hole with players before, and, yeah. and it's no fun. But like, how did you get to the point where, like you said, hey, so we you've gone down this thing chasing, trying to be perfect, trying to change who you are. Like to me as a coach, I've you know. Man, that's a hard discussion to have sometimes with the player that like you say, Hey, like we need to simplify things. Yeah. We need to help you understand who you are. What brought you to that point And how did you bring up that conversation? Cause like the player's got to be kudos to him too, for being willing to yeah. do that. Right. That's hard for a player. hundred percent. I mean, he's a fiery kid. He works his tail off. He'll do willing to do whatever. And um, which is incredible. But at, at the, some point I would you know, statistically, this this is what we do when it matters under the gun, right? Like you overslice it every time on 15, 16, 17, or you have, you know, my biggest thing was what do we need to do at 18 at TPC Sawgrass with the one shot lead, right? Like what, you know, we have to get your golf swing to the point where could we hit this shot on 18? Um and I think he was stuck in a pattern where do I aim way left and hit a slice or do I, you know what I mean? So it was like, and I think, you know, obviously all the credit to him, but I felt like he was like, all right, well, maybe we have to work on a pattern to be more neutral. Right. And, um, you know, he's, he's been amazing with it, knowing that he's still in the hit. Obviously you saw coming down the U S open, it got cuttier, the drive on 18, on the shot tracker looked like it was a 70 yard slice, but it was moving left to right, but he was comfortable and, um, you know, maybe held on to the head a little bit, but um, he knew what he could do. And, um, you know, it's a testament to him um, being able to hit that, those shots down the stretch. That's brilliant. How long did it take from when you had that conversation and you started? We did it. Okay. Sorry. We, we did it. Uh, TPC at Sawgrass. A uh, year and a half ago, or two two sawgrasses ago, um, and he just kind of kept on getting better. We're using the tee. He was getting more neutral. I felt like he was gaining more confident. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that was the the hitting aspect of that. Yeah, um, John, uh, you, just on that, I mean, uh, you know, so and again, more more so for the onco. So the the obviously you've got a shaft out there in front for sort of start direction. You've got a mm-hmm. tee. To allow him to get the sensation he's not really going to get down on top of it too much because he hit it off the top of the face so sure. you know very much kind of like external learning techniques there was no real all right now i need your left wrist to do this in transition and i need you to chest to stay this way it was more of just i need you to get the golf club to do this to the ball would that be right 100 percent. like there's times where you know he's fast right his chest might move too fast and um, that's part of the reason why he gets steep at times but it was never that like, let's try to get neutral and shape the shot to the right. Be athletic in that, right? Because you could do it if I put you behind the tree. You tell me you can't hit a draw. But if I put you behind a, a tree, you could hit a 10-yard, a 5-yard, a 20-yard draw and hit it on the green. So um, let's make that our little baseline and move from there. How how long from when you put him in this box, as I call it, like where you got, yeah. you know, you got him neutral? Yeah. How long before he started seeing some results or did you like that first week at Sawgrass? No, I mean, no, because you're always going to revert back to what you do under the gun. Right. So um, there were somewhere um, on the West coast this year where we 
had a shot, a chance to win, maybe an outside chance, but I felt like he trusted what was going on. He was able to, if we needed to hit a right to left shot or maybe not even that, but he was more neutral. It wasn't like, you know, six, 17 at Torrey Pines that we're going to aim this thing in the junk to the left and get it over there. It's like, do I just kind of hit a straight one out there? And when I felt like he got to that point, then, um, all right, we've made enough progress on, you know, neutralizing enough to where he could feel comfortable with that. So it's probably early this year, right? So, you know, it took a little bit of time, but, um, you know, like anything, even though it sounds so simple, these boys are playing under a lot of pressure for a lot of money and, um, you know, they, uh, it's under test. I think that's a, Good when you wrap it back around, John, sorry, Tony, to your, you know, your own personal stuff with your own career, um, do you feel like you could have had a lot more, I mean, I guess the answer is going to be yes, but you feel like you would, would have had a lot more success had you been able to treat the game a little bit more like that? Or, you know, do you, do you feel like if that had been an approach you had taken, you know, you would have wound up, you know, down a better path? Because I, I think I'm with you. Like I just, when I was playing a lot in my early 20s and playing full-time I, I tried so many things I almost lost my authenticity of being a being a player right 100 percent. I mean it, yes the, the easy answer is yes but you know I was always a few bad shots I would have played 17 perfect holes and then 18 hit a poor one and be like god technically I must not be there instead of like you know what can what are the things I could do to make me successful under pressure or day to day. Right. And um, just if I did it 17 good times, I know it's easy to say, and you know, I'm probably going down a right path, right. I, for a long time, I played some pretty high golf um, and um, I was able to hit the shots. And then if I didn't hit it, it was like, well, I must be doing something wrong with my golf swing. Right. Instead of being, Hey, let's be more athletic and be shape shots and, um, you know, getting different setups to where I could feel different things. And, um, you know, I know it's hard to kind of do that stuff when you're trying to get better and your fundamentals are off. But if you could I always preach now to whether it's a 20 handicap, if you could get in good fundamentals and then kind of find out what in your body or what in your golf swing is causing something to do it. Um, let's try to work on that. Tony, I think I think that's something I you know I think is really important. Very you know very well said. Get into diff- different setups to create different outcomes. I think I sort of see less of that these days. You know, people are so immersed at working on their golf swings that they almost yeah. forget that the golf swing is just a response to what you're doing at the start. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I, 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 John, I love what you're talking about there, and and I think that like you know so many of the teachers listening to us or the folks that are going to listen to the podcast. You know, like with kids, I think especially good junior players, it's so yeah. important. We see with these young players, like they've all get track man now and yeah. you know, at a young age. And they, yeah. and then like you have juniors now text you about numbers and different things when, you know, and heck, you feel like you do, you could put out a stick out there, tell them to curve it either side of it, right? And they can do it. So it's exactly. like, you yeah, play golf. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And um, as great as the new technology stuff is, and obviously it's an incredible tool for teaching, it's an incredible way to practice, but the, you know, the art of just going out a flag and hitting five draws, uh, three left to rights and a high left to right and a low right to left, I feel like is um, at least at, you know, the college level and stuff, it's getting better, but as juniors, like 
you know, we used to sit out there and just try to figure out how we did that. Right. And, and now, um, you know, track, man, you're trying to have perfect and optimal numbers all the time, which sure. I know that's great, but um, still under pressure. I want to be able to be like, all right, what, what is it that I need to do to hit that little right to left shot or left to right? Or what's that feeling that I need to, to get in as a kid, you know, how many times do we say, man, when I was a little junior, I just speed step up to it, add the eight footer and just kind of feel it and go. And it's like, kind of the thing that I kind of like try to do now, like what is that little waggle that you do to hit that little draw or, um, you know, what's that little hold position I feel like to hit that little fade. Right. Um, you know, so that's kind of some of the stuff I like to do. And I think it helps junior golfers kind of find the bottom. And um, the, the, the interesting thing about that, Tony, to elaborate on it. I mean, when I watched Wyndham and John going through that transition, like he, he went from looking like a little bit flustered and a little bit like wide eyed. Uh, and then as he assembled, you know, what John, you know, you talk about the routines of the alignment rods, doing the same thing all the time. Okay, doing the correct thing for him, but doing the same thing all the time. And then to your point about triggers, like we know that if the routines and triggers can can, can be repetitive and can be done without having to think about them too much, then the players can perform under pressure. And I don't think, I really don't think that changes whatever level of golf you're playing at, whether you're yeah. a 15 cap trying to win your club championship or whether you're trying to win a U.S. Open. If if you do have good routines and triggers that can sort of, and even feels, you know, like you said, the little hold-off shot, what sort of follow-through am I hitting for this shot? Yeah. You know, I think that's when the whole thing kind of comes around full circle to a point where, you know, and I was watching you and Wyndham warm up and thinking, you know, how are we going to beat these boys? I mean, you were just playing so good for a long time. Because yeah. to your point, He's so athletic, he can already do the things and everything's calm in his head because he's not trying anything new. Right. And then it goes. But, you know, I guess it's always harder. We're going to have some people listening to this who are, you know, have teaching 20 handicappers and 12 handicappers. Yeah. And, I, and that's when you, you've got to really not take your eyes off the fundamentals and developing good movement patterns. And, you know, Tony, you and I and Wayne have talked about, you know, creating creating a good pivot you know, making sure that people kind of understand what their bodies are going to be doing, making sure they understand the constraints that they might be operating within that somebody like Wyndham isn't isn't operating within. But, you know, from a from a teaching standpoint, John, when you go back through, you know, the old stuff, like would you feel like if you had a had a say a twenty handicapper that you would you would almost go for the same sort of approach? Yeah, for sure. Like I you know, I still think it's um you know, I, I get asked this all the time, like Wyndham uh, has a tee and, you know, hitting off a tee with alignment sticks that, you know, people that are 20 handicaps are doing, you know, and my friends are I'm like, why do you not set up and practice? Like whether it's your first 15 balls, right? Put it on a tee and have good alignment sticks, right? What, you know, finding the bottom is on turf is tough anyways, right? So why don't you build up to getting to the bottom, right? To finding a nice bottom. Um, yeah, so. I mean, there's no downside to starting that way. I can't <laughs> no, think right? of a downside. How Whether many times? you're a 20 handicapper, you're a tour player. I mean, what's the downside? How many times, even in my good day, you know, I could still play decently and I lay sod on the first one. There's a sandy little line. I'm thinking, why am I not starting off a tee? <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, and not that the tee's the end-all, be-all, but I'm just thinking, as yeah. as a fundamental, like, hey, here's how I start my 20 minute warm up, right? Like, let's go through some of these fundamentals and, um, 
Yeah, put a tee on a nine iron. I mean, there's no better feeling than being able to pick a ball off a tee and hit in the center of the face. Um, there's a reason why those tees are there to help you. Um, why not start with that, right? But and again, I mean, it also, you know, it also go ahead, go ahead, Jake, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, like, and JP, I think you would probably agree with me from your experience. But like, John, how many times players think that they're really off track? Yeah, and then. You go down and you put a stick down. You get the ball in the right spot. You get their hips postured correctly or whatever, and all of a sudden the ball starts starting online. And if you do, you know, I think one thing that the best tour players are better at than as you go down the line, it gets worse, is paying attention to the small details and the fundamentals and that they understand where all of those things need to be for them. And to you talk about 20 handicapper, and a 20 handicapper probably has zero clue where any of those are supposed to be from time to time. You're, you're so right. You're so right. I always look at, sure, Tiger's probably the best of all time, but there's not a time where he doesn't look stacked. Like he's not hitting a ball on a tee, right? Like his posture is set up what all looked pretty good. And, um, you know, he was the best player of all time. And I just felt like his setup was always pretty, pretty darn good. Just like yeah. Brian. Brian looks like he's in a, a perfect shot every time. Every time. Yeah. I mean- you know, we've—it's not a dissimilar um, story, really, with with somebody who, who who tended to to misalign an awful lot. He, you know, Brian Harmon tended to aim a little too far to the right, and and kind of, you know, with the early set that he has, he would have to kind of drop it under. He'd lose a lot of kind of rotary pressure on the golf ball, and you know, he's he's really embraced that little tee drill that you see him do. I don't think he's just as precise as Wyndham with like the ball being in exactly the same place. But he he he'll he'll. Um, cycle the alignment rod, rod that's parallel to, uh, or sorry, perpendicular to the target line, and he'll use that as his ball position guide. Um, and then the alignment rod that's that's parallel to the target, he'll he'll use that obviously as his targeting guide. And you know, the the more that we've done that, John, I'll not I'll not lie, you know, it's kind of like Wyndham. It's all kind of just pieced together, and he's looked more and more organized. Like you talked about Tiger Woods, you know, they've looked more and more organized, and then all of a sudden the athlete can kind of show his face and, and, and swing properly. And, you know, all these guys, you know, and I guess it's, we're very fortunate to be in the, you know, in the company of like, you know, Tony's working for Lucas, Lucas Glover over the years. And I've helped Brian Harmon and John's helped Wyndham Clark. I mean, these are major champions, some of the best golf athletes on the, on the planet earth. Yeah. But I think if, if, if they still have to pay attention to those finer details, I mean, I think, um, I think the, 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 the people who, who, who are working with, <laughs> Lesser players have to make sure that they're definitely paying attention to the finer details. Yep. The club, listen, there's speed in Wyndham's, um, and is the head or, you know, is going to be off a little bit from day to day? Sure, right? Like, that's that's part of the deal. But um, if it's set up in posture and ball position and his alignment's all pretty good, then you could kind of work from, th- from there, right? And, um, you know, that's one of the things he's taken – such ownership in it where he hasn't bailed on this, right? Like we could be so nervous on the first tee at the, or uh, the driving range at the U S open. Well, the, the we're going to stick a tee down there. We're going to put our alignment sticks up there. We're going to go over the same drills. Some of that routine helps, right? Like um, to, all pressure, to, you know, has to make him more comfortable because in the end, it's still the same ball going over the same stick. Yeah. It has to help. Jackson, I think we got a question. One one more thing, Tony, on that, you know, with regards to, you know, a little bit more technical detail. If you think that the golf club itself has a lie angle which which sets a plane to it, your posture has inbuilt angles 
and balances that should set a plane to your body movement. Uh, and then from there, if you've got a correct hole in the club, you're, you're and kind of help the golf club move through space properly. So by, by, by looking after your setup, you're probably looking after the most technically detailed part of the whole thing. Cause it should set a whole load of balls rolling that can yeah. stack you up in good positions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah agree. And, and, but again, I think that's the part that not picking on young, but a lot of young coaches and then a lot of the players coming up think that it's gotta, that they want to overlook that stuff and they yeah. want to jump to a wrist angle or they want to, ju- you know, jump to different things and, and pressure and all that stuff. And I mean, to me, it's like, if that's the, you like your comment about tiger was beautiful. Like I was, I, when you said that, I was trying to think of any time I've ever turned on the TV and I saw tiger over a shot and I thought, Man, that doesn't look like he's set up very good to hit the shot that he's going to hit. I mean, it's I don't know that it's ever happened since he was twelve. I mean, yeah. you know. And and there's you know, there's there's analogies in the, even the fitness industry. I went down and had a had a meeting with Harris, Brian, Patton, uh Gazard, their fit their fitness instructor today, and we're talking about, you know, foundational strength and you know, when when should we put Olympic lifting in and things like that, if ever. Yeah. And a lot of you know, we, we talk about the fact that when, when the, the, the golf fitness people, they have to create such a really, really strong foundation of, of mobility and stability to create then another foundation to create some strength and stability. So like lifting and doing these really complicated things, it should be way up on the top of a pyramid. And I think sometimes the very, very difficult swing things that we try to do, to your point, I think we add, we add them in far too early and we don't focus enough on the foundations of it. Yeah, because your foundation in a perfect world will dictate where the club may or may not go, right? Like if you have a good foundation and you're still sucking it way inside, you know, there could be, you know what I mean? Like there's. Yeah, there's a time where you may have to work on it, but if you get the yeah. foundation stuff done first, at least then the, the swing drill identifies itself pretty, pretty clearly. Exactly. Yeah. Jackson, you want to read our question? Yeah, we've got one. It says, what were the areas statistically that showed improvement after those changes started becoming more consistent? Have you uh, have those areas been consistent with progression success, and did it open your eyes to anything? Uh, if this question's more at Wyndham, yeah, he was um, – if you look at statistically the last five years, he's this is fifth year on PGA Tour, he was never better than like 150th on approach to green, and I think he finished wow. 36th. Last year, he was like 70th, um, probably the first three years. Um, I want to say his best was maybe 150 or something. Um, you know, that's approached green, some ball striking. So, um, for sure. Uh, I mean, how how much do you use stats as a caddy coach? That I mean, I'm curious how much you use it and how much do you involve the player in it? Like, I like to look at them but not share everything with the player, just pick and choose the things I bring up. I'm just curious about your approach. I'm the same way because, you know, there's times where he's like, why'd you tell me that? Now I know I do that. But um, I look at it all, um, you know, I shared them all, you know, at the end of this season, obviously it's been an incredible season. Yes. The season's not over, over, but um, statistically it was for the PGA tour. And I'm like, Hey buddy, like, you know, you're, you're, talking to me about maybe making your iron shorter and this and that. And it's like you won two times and um, you've gained in every statistics, like maybe pat yourself on the back. I know everybody's trying to get better, but um, yeah. So yes, I, sh- I look at him and I know where he may 
or may not want to try to get better or they're always trying to get better, but where, you know, you should maybe go down that next rabbit hole. Yeah, John, awesome. talk a little bit about something that, you know, reared its head through the year, the, the, uh, the counterbalance putter. I recently went to Scotland <laughs> on a golf trip. I certainly didn't hit it like Wyndham Clark when I was there, but um, I did take a counterbalance putter with me and I felt it was quite an interesting experiment. The kind of putter head swung a bit more. What yeah. were your kind of thoughts on that? Well, I wasn't a huge fan actually at first. Um, he, uh, he's been at, I've watched him through college. I've watched him, um, you know, his five years uh, on the PGA tour. He's always been in his rookie year. I think he was 10th on putting, um, you know, always, you know, great feel putter. Um, this year he had hit the ball really, really well and um, hadn't made putts like he had wanted to. Um, making putts isn't always necessarily like whether, you know, you maybe we're reading the greens poorly or, you know, it, there's a lot that goes into it. He was set on, he played a practice round with Ricky Fowler somewhere and he's like, I want to try this putter. And I was like, all right. So we made the cut at um, Tampa and we were in maybe 25th place. And he's like, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. And um, I was like, I'm all for it. It just worry about your speed and whatnot. So the first hole there in Tampa, it's a driver and a six iron on the green. He has like a 30 footer and he leaves this 30 footer, like seven feet short. And I'm like, oh, no. And he made the seven footer. He ended up finishing fifth, putted good. And, um, you know, the rest has been um, pretty, pretty good moving forward. But um, I think it's brilliant. I think the technology behind it's good. I didn't want um, his feel and who he is to be taken away. Not that it is because putting is, you know, such such an art. But um, I just didn't want him um, so, like, be stagnant with the putter and um, he hasn't been, but at times when you're holding that this long putter and you just kind of, but obviously it's been uh, amazing. So I hope he doesn't change it, but uh, at first I was in the bag yet, John, it sounds like. I don't have one. I'm holding, I'm holding strong. (laughs) I'm going to stick with the shorty and um, until I start three putting, which won't take long, I'm sure. (laughs) Welcome to getting old. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, she, uh, John, this was awesome. JP, anything else? I thought this was one of the best ones, if not the best we've ever done. I mean, this is brilliant. Well, I think, I think there's, there's, there's a few wee bits there. I think it's a testament to John's abilities all the way through golf to, you know, to dissect stats and have a, have a, a, a deep understanding of what a player needs. Um, and also do the job, you know, in the ropes that, you know, is probably a, a lot tougher and uh, more complex than a lot of people would say, and, and also a great guy. So, John, thanks so much for coming on. We do appreciate it, and I'll look forward to uh, look forward to a glass of Chianti whenever we get to Rome. Okay, and USA, I'm going to unload my hats on you. And John, you please, please send me a picture of him with the flag. All right, is it fair right now if we win the Ryder Cup, the next show he's got to be in a USA hat? It's only I think fair. that's fair. I think that's totally JP, fair. come on. That's all right. I'm, I'm living here now. I don't have I don't have a, a, a Ford F-150 yet, and I don't wear tassely belts, and I haven't <laughs> been hunting, but I'm, I'm, right. I'm immersing myself in the life. All right. Um, I like it. John, well, thanks for having me, guys. I really, really enjoyed it. Hopefully, it could help some uh, young kids or whoever, but um, I'll be more than happy to ever join, join and help in any way I can. I appreciate it, John. This is great stuff. We'll look forward to catching up soon. 
All right. See you guys. Thanks. Thanks, guys. I hope you enjoyed this edition of The Tour Coach and this conversation that we brought to you about playing, learning, and teaching the game of golf. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Tour Coach. In between now and next week, make sure you follow us on our social channels. You can always find me at The Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to our YouTube page where you'll see a scene and a video from my teachings daily on our YouTube channel. You can find that by looking up Tony Ruggiero and The Dew Sweepers on YouTube. Until then, make sure you follow and check out everything Tour Coach and all our sponsors, Shrikshon Cleveland Golf, Bushnell, Vineyard Vines, and Buick GMC. I'll be back next week to help all of us appreciate, learn, and enjoy the game of golf.